Yeah, that song was written by Mick Jagger, or, or Nate. No, it was written by Nate and, and Vince, so pretty cool. So let's pray. So Lord God, we do ask that you would help us to preach in Jesus' name. Make us all vessels for your glory, Lord God, that your word would move uh, among us, that your life would flow among us. and that we would experience not just our own life, but your life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. What do you think? A man had two sons, says Jesus. A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. Now, Jesus is talking to the rulers of Israel at this point, and you know Israel is a vineyard. A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. That's John the Baptist. Matthew 3, 2, John the Baptist came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means like right here. In the wilderness where John was preaching with crowds of tax collectors and, and harlots. But now in Matthew 21, Jesus is speaking to the chief priests and the Pharisees in the temple in Jerusalem. The Sadducees and chief priests were like the liberal elite of Israel. They'd vote for like Bernie or Hillary probably. The Pharisees were the popular religious conservatives, and so they'd obviously vote for like Ted Cruz or Donald Trump or something. Anyway, but both groups believed and advertised that they did things for which they deserved the kingdom, and by kingdom, they meant power and, and control. They argued over who exactly it was who was first in that kingdom, but they all agreed as to who was last and least and lost, the tax collectors and the harlots. Tax collectors basically took life from others through extortion. Harlots bought and sold love as if love were a commodity. The priests and Pharisees thought they did the will of God and so deserved the kingdom. The tax collectors and harlots, it's like they received the kingdom and so did the will of God. Matthew is a tax collector, the guy writing this gospel. Last week, Carl preached an incredible sermon about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. You remember Jesus, Jesus chose to go to his house, and then Zacchaeus just stands up, and he gives away half of his possessions. Nobody told him he had to do it. It wasn't perfect, but nobody told him he had to do it. He wanted to do it. And then Jesus explains, today, salvation has come to this house. Remember the harlot? 
um, at Simon the Pharisee's house. Uh, she anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume and washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And nobody said she had to do it. She wanted to do it. And Jesus said to Simon the Pharisee, the one who is forgiven little loves little, but she loved much. Well, that must be the will of the Father. That's life in his kingdom. And so pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there's like one group of people that say the right things, do the right things, advertise the right things, but they do not do the will of the Father. And then there's another group of people that don't say the right things, and it doesn't look like they do the right things, and yet they do do the will of the Father. There's a first group that thinks they win the race and they actually lose, and there's a second group that thinks they've lost and they've actually won. Jesus says, hey, you elders, pastors, counselors, respected lay Bible study leaders, neighborhood Bible study leaders, the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom before you. Wow. So like imagine you're out in the foyer after the service talking to some friends. And one of them says, how are y'all doing? And the person next to you says, well, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually doing good, I'm doing really good. <laughs> I've been volunteering down at Joshua Station and my Bible study is awesome. You listen to that and you feel a little intimidated, a little insecure, and, and, and so you say, well, you know, that's great. I, I actually used to do that, but, but lately I've just really, man, I've really been enjoying just sitting. You know, it's so important to rest in the presence of God, in the silence of God. I've been sitting in the, just enjoying the, the rest, the si I'm, I'm really doing good. There's an awkward silence, and then the person on your left says, I'm not doing good. I'm so incredibly ashamed, but I've been so desperate for cash to feed my addiction that I, I sold myself. I had sex with a man last night for just $50. The fourth person in your group is Jesus. He looks at the harlot to your left and he says, you win, you win. You enter the kingdom of God first. Well, that would be kind of a little insulting and maybe a bit liberating because you know how it is when you start to compete, especially uh, when you compete in the name of love. You don't feel love, but anxiety and fear. And when you advertise your goodness, you don't feel so good. But when you say, I'm bad, or someone says I'm bad, something breaks. And something is liberated, something dies, and something begins to live. Well, Jesus said to those that advertise their goodness, the tax collectors and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, Jesus is opposed to extortion and prostitution. He's diametrically opposed to stealing life and marketing love. But he did say the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. He doesn't even say ex-tax collectors and ex-prostitutes. Think that through. D doesn't that mean that the only way you can enter the kingdom of God now or maybe ever is to first admit that you are a thief or a prostitute and actually mean it? Next verse. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house, Oikodespot, who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it out, let it out to tenants, Georgos, it means earth workers, and went into another country. Now, the, the first line of this parable right off the bat uh, is 
to remind you of a bunch of things. It's right out of Isaiah chapter 5. It's to remind you of Isaiah, the Old Testament, uh, Jesus' other stories, things like the vineyard of Israel, the men of Judah, God's pleasant planting, Isaiah 5, the fire that burns the vineyard right down to the root and the holy seed is its stump. That's Isaiah 6. The winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, which is the Savior who himself tramples uh, the, the winepress alone, Isaiah 63, and the wine that is blood and the blood that is wine that forms a river which flows from a throne that looks like a tower on which stands a slaughtered lamb. That's the revelation. Uh, John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the Georgos, the earth worker. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, you are God's Georgion, the worked earth. <laughs> anyway, the Lord planted a vineyard, says Jesus. Put a wall around it, dug a wine press and built a tower and let it out to earth workers and went into a far country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to Jesus, well, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them, give him the, the fruits in their season. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, these guys are so sharp, I love this. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him, the crowds held him to, to be a, a prophet. So, in the story, the tenants take the life of the son because they want what he has, his inheritance. In four days, the chief priests and the Pharisees will take Christ's life because they want what he has. They're jealous. Now, on one level, that doesn't make much sense. And so commentators squabble about what that means and how the parable applies. On, on one level, it doesn't make much sense, but to your heart, it, it does make sense, doesn't it? Because if you can't lose weight, what is it that you want? You want everyone to get fat, right? If you can't get an A, you don't want any of your friends to get an A. You want them to get no better than, than a B. They were jealous of Jesus. And what did Jesus have? Verse 46, they feared the, Jesus had the crowd. They wanted to have the crowd. In fact, just the day before on Palm Sunday, Jesus attracted crowds, mobs of sinners, tax collectors, harlots. Jesus had all of Jerusalem chanting Hosanna in the highest. And, and, and now, of course, Jerusalem herself was a harlot. In the revelation, she's transformed into a bride, but here she is a great harlot for she will betray Jesus for just 30 pieces, well, 30 pieces of silver as the religious leaders lead her in the chant, crucify, crucify, crucify. Oh, in the span of four days. In chapter 27, Matthew writes that it was out of envy that they delivered him up for crucifixion, envy. Thanos is the Greek word. It's usually translated envy, but sometimes jealousy, and it seems to almost always mean something bad. 
Greek writers were careful to distinguish it from another word that can sometimes be its synonym, and that's the word zelos, often translated jealousy. It can sometimes be good, zelos, and sometimes bad. Paul writes that there is a godly jealousy, a godly zelos. Zelos means a strong desire for something that you don't have. Thanos means a strong desire for something that you don't have and a desire that the person who has it no longer does. It's a competitive spirit where your win is based on another's loss. Thanos feeds on fear and the belief that there's only a limited supply of the good to go around that the good is a limited commodity. It seems that we're like born with the idea or that very early on we acquire that idea. My two oldest children, Jonathan and Elizabeth, when they were very, very little, they often had this fight and it just amazed me. Usually Jonathan would say something like, I'm happy. And Elizabeth would say, no, I'm happy. And then John would say, no, uh, I'm happy. Then she's, no, I'm happy. And then they start hitting each other. <laughs> and I discipline and I'd say, look, guys, you can both be happy. See, they thought happiness was a limited commodity. Maybe because they knew that I, their father, was a limited commodity. I, I mean, I couldn't give each of them my complete attention at the same moment. Is your father in heaven a limited commodity. If he loves another more, does he have to love you less? Is love a limited commodity? Well, in this world of space and time, a boyfriend or a girlfriend is a limited commodity. So some dude likes your girl and what do you do? You compete. The office of president, that's a limited commodity. So Bernie, Hillary, Donald, Ted, Marco, John, they, they all compete. And when you compete, you go negative. You begin to desecrate rather than create. And that's a problem, especially if you attempt uh, to compete at love because God is love and love is the creator. So if you compete at love, you desecrate the creator. A couple weeks ago, my son, Jonathan, who's like, it doesn't, Elizabeth and John worked it out now, they're like 27, but anyway, he said, Dad, you gotta watch this episode of my favorite TV show. It's about a young man named Josh trying to get a date. The show's called Man Seeking Woman. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen it, but in this episode, Josh likes this girl named Rosa but he discovers that Rosa is dating someone else. He's never met this someone else, but he thinks he must compete with this someone else, and that means going negative, he, even though he tries to act positive. Nice. Wow. All right, guys, this is great. We have to do this again, Sue. Josh, Josh, Josh. One at a time, one at a time. One at a time, guys. Please. One, one at a time. One at a time. Uh, Janice. Josh, are you trying to win favor with Rosa's friends so they'll support you in a run for boyfriend? No, I, 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 that's ridiculous. As Rosa's friend, I merely like to have the occasional sit down with other friends of Rosa's. Uh, so that I can stay abreast of the issues that are important to them. For instance, I just found out about some great spots to get salad and about a play that has like a deaf guy in it or something. Did the topic of her boyfriend come up? Oh, Steve, you're killing me. Uh, I won't lie, they, they expressed some concern that he doesn't hang out with them as much as they would like, uh, which is a shame. These are great people with beautiful stories and unique voices that deserve to be heard. All right, that's it, folks. Thanks for your time. Dude, check the numbers. Your approval rating with Rosa is way up. Now is the time to pull out the stops and go at this hard. What does that mean? Gotta go negative. Hey, uh, you all good? Um, yeah, I just... 
I wanted to try this new Mongolian restaurant Ooh. with my boyfriend, and I don't want to be obnoxious and complain about it, because you know he has all of those food things, but we never get to go anywhere new, and it's just, it's starting to get really annoying, and oh God, so sorry. You're so not into this. It's so fine. Oh, it's I, not a big deal. You don't have to listen to this. No, it is. It's a, I, I, would, I would assume that's gotta be, that's eventually gotta get pretty frustrating. And a breaking story now. This is just coming in from Iowa. Josh Greenberg has just received a phone call from Rosa. I love game night, so that's a, a big yes, yeah. I will definitely be there. Josh Greenberg never bails on a date. All right, where do we put our bazaar? I suspect we should put our bazaar relatively close to, say, uh, the caravan, because that way we can trade uh, goats for resources, because you and I are very goat rich. So I'm glad I'm on your team. I think you are. All yeah. the strategy. That's exactly right. Rosa. Yes, he decided to show up. Oh my god, yes, he came! Oh. Holy shit! Hey, hey! 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 hey. Is she, that's, is, is, she, is that Jesus Christ? They met at Dave and Buster's. He's really oh, good. What's going on? I'm sorry, it's been a while. It's been crazy at work. The lepers? Not the lepers, you know, other stuff. You know, they're, they're really... Features lepers. Oh, good, good. Oh, hi. Whoa, you must yeah. be Josh. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Hi. So good to meet you, man. I'm Jesus. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm yeah, very <laughs> familiar with you. Yeah. Well, I'm very familiar with you. What? You are famous in this house. Mm -hmm. Office manager, correct? I mean, you're Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. So you're, you're, you're the son of God and God. It's so, it's, it's so complicated. Yeah. It's a too, right? I don't even understand it. Yeah, right. When it was explained to me, I thought, yeah. okay, so I'm the son of God, and, I'm, yeah. and, and at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Show me where to go. Yeah, and you. <laughs> so it turns out that Josh is jealous of Jesus, and not in the good way, but the bad way. The chief priests and the Pharisees were also jealous of Jesus. They were jealous that Jesus had Jerusalem because Jerusalem was their girl. They were jealous that Jesus had the crowd. They didn't love the crowd, but they loved to control the crowd. They were jealous that Jesus had the crowd, and they were jealous that the crowd had Jesus. They didn't love Jesus, but they wanted to control Jesus. They would have loved to have Jesus on their team, but he always seemed to join the wrong team and play the wrong game. They were jealous that the crowd had Jesus, and they were jealous that Jesus had Jesus. They were jealous that Jesus had, you know, truth and life and light and love. And they were jealous that Jesus saved and they, they couldn't save. Well, I watched that episode of Man Seeking Woman and, and I wondered, do I ever compete with Jesus? Am I ever envious or jealous of Jesus? I thought about that a while, and then I thought, am I ever jealous of anything but Jesus? Matthew 28, John 13, Hebrews 1, 2, they, they all make it clear that Jesus inherits all things. So whenever I'm jealous that anyone has anything, I'm jealous of Jesus' things. But it's not just Jesus' things. Jesus is the thing. I'm not just jealous that Jesus has all things. I'm, I'm jealous of all things <laughs> that have Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. Predicate nominative clause. This is that, and maybe that is this. John writes, God is love. Predicate nominative clause. And, and people, are quick to, people are quick to point out, well, yeah, okay, God is love, but that doesn't mean that love is is God. They point out that a statement like banana is fruit does not mean that all fruit is banana. But that's true, but it's true because fruit is a larger category than banana. But nothing is a larger category than God. So God is love must mean that love, real love, not imitation love, but real love, authentic love, any real love is God. So when Jesus says, I am the way, I think that also means the way is, I am. 
So any progress, any way, is the activity of I am, Jesus. It means any truth is, is Jesus. Any life, any real life is Jesus. Any, I think any light may actually be Jesus. And, and that doesn't mean that there can't be darkness, death, lies, and lostness mixed in with the way, truth, life, light in any given person in any given moment. Hey, actually, when I'm jealous of a person, I'm not jealous of the whole person. I'm jealous of the way, the truth, the life, the light, and the love in that person. In fact, that's what I want to take from that person. At one point, in Mark and Luke, Jesus literally says this, no one is good except one, the God. In Matthew, at the same point, Jesus says it this way, one is the good, or the good is one. Predicate nominative. That means that all good, agathos, which can also be translated beauty, all beauty is God. Last week, Carl preached a really beautiful sermon full of way, truth, life, light, and love. And I want Carl to preach a good sermon, but not too good. Because <laughs> maybe there isn't enough good to go around. I want Carl to preach a good sermon, but not too good. Because if it's too good, I might not have enough good to, to compete with Carl. And you might not want me. And if you uh, don't want me, you might not pay me. And if you don't pay me, I might not be able to buy food. And if I don't buy food, I might die. I might lose all the good I got. When I'm jealous of Carl, envy Carl, and compete with Carl, I want to take the good in Carl to save my own life and to purchase your love. When I compete with Carl, I hate the good in Carl. And now, class, what is the good in Carl? Yeah, Jesus is Jesus. So when I compete with Carl, I sacrifice the good in Carl to save my life which is really the life, Christ's life, and to purchase your love. And I think there's a name for someone who buys and sells love. In other words, because I'm a harlot and a thief, I envy the good and so sacrifice the good. And I'm not even aware that I'm doing it because I do it all in the name of God because religion is my game. And that's the worst kind of harlotry and extortion. <sighs> See, actually, when I'm jealous of anyone, I'm jealous of Jesus. And so are you. So yeah, I get why they crucified the Christ. It, it may not be absolutely logical, but it makes perfect sense to my dark and twisted heart. Jesus, who is the good in flesh, rode into Jerusalem they felt threatened by the good, so they were jealous of the good, and so they took the life of the good on a tree in a garden. But why did Jesus ride into Jerusalem? To give his life on a tree in a garden. He went to give himself and all things with him his inheritance. So they try to steal his inheritance and he came to give his inheritance. You know, it seems to me that all sin is like trying to take what God has already given, but you cannot receive until you stop trying to take. Remember why Eve took the good from the tree in the garden? It was because she believed a lie that she must make herself 
in God's image. So get this. The very thing that she tried to take was the very thing that God had already declared that he would give. Chapter 1, his likeness. Let us make man in our own image and likeness, said God, the good. And man took the good to make himself in the likeness. I, I, I think the good in flesh was hanging on that tree in the garden. Like fruit containing seed. When Eve took the fruit on the tree, it died. In other words, the good became her own private limited commodity. When Jerusalem the harlot took the life of Jesus on the tree, he died. And we all died. We thought the good was our own private limited commodity. We took the good, but God gave the good and a seed was planted in the ground that is us. A fountain was opened that flows from a throne. The throne is a wine press that makes a river and the river is blood and the life is in the blood. It's eternal. It's, it's not limited at all. And all eyes will look on the one whom they have pierced on the tree that stands like a tower in the vineyard where we took the life of Christ and God gave the life of Christ. Why? To make us in his image. He is good. He's so good. And he is our inheritance. And we are his. Now, I know that you couldn't follow that. I couldn't follow that. I'm just beginning to, to glimpse that. But for now, just consider this. All sin is trying to take what God has already given. Or from our perspective, is in the process of giving. And that means that envy is not only evil. It's just downright Stupid. It's just stupid. First Corinthians 3. Paul gets after the Corinthians for competing. Now listen to his logic. You are still of the flesh, guys. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? The whole chapter is about that. Then he concludes this way. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Remember what Christ's inheritance is? All things. So let no one boast of men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death. Get that. Death, the absence of even that is yours, somehow a gift. What a thought. Uh, life or death or the present or the future. We're talking space and time. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. In other words, Peter, don't be jealous of Carl. You own Carl. And Christ owns you. And God owns Christ. So stop being stupid. Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor... There's neither Peter nor Carl. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, inheritors, according to the promise. In other words, Peter, don't be jealous of Carl. You are Carl. You're one body, the body of Christ, and a river of eternal life flows through that body. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul explains the body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 31, he writes, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire is the verb zelao. So, so he literally writes, he literally writes, be jealous for the higher gifts. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 12, 31, be jealous for the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, and then Paul writes the most famous chapter in all the scripture, the love chapter. See, love is the still more excellent way to get the gifts. I didn't know this when I married her, but my wife has this amazing prophetic gift. And I'm telling you, if 
I was ever jealous. And I think when Paul talks about jealousy and he's talking about that godly kind of jealousy. If I was ever jealous for a gift, it was for the prophetic gift. I mean, the way some people have it, because I've always thought, gosh, if I had that, it would make sermon writing so easy. And, and not only that, it would be infallible. So when people complain, it'd be like, whatever, you know? Well, I didn't know this when, when I married Susan, but my wife has this amazing prophetic gift. I mean, sometimes it's not like she can turn it on and off. So people ask her, hey, what's, and she doesn't, she didn't work that way, but sometimes God will just tell her stuff. And honestly, it's so good. It's so beautiful. It's so right. I know that it didn't just come from her. Well, one day I was complaining about this to God in prayer, having my prayer time. I was complaining that she had this gift and I didn't have this gift and I had this thought and it went something like this. You know, Peter, Peter, she has female parts and you don't have female parts. Remember seventh grade when you got really, really interested in female parts? <laughs> Peter, there are two ways that you can get female parts. You can take them. That's rape, or maybe that's surgery somewhere. You, you can take them, or you can receive them. That's the still more excellent way. Peter, you love Susan, and she loves you, and you are bound in a covenant, and you celebrate its sacrament. You don't have female parts, Peter, and yet you do have female parts, don't you? You have female parts and you have Susan. And is that not a far, far more excellent way? You don't have her gifts. You don't have her gifts, and yet you do have your gifts, and you have my entire body and all of its gifts. And is that not a far, far more excellent way? In other words, Peter, don't be jealous of Carl. Be grateful that you're not Carl, because then you can enjoy Carl, and Carl can enjoy you. You are two indispensable and unique members of one body, my body. You have Carl, and with Carl, you have me. And now let me be clear before any weird rumors start. I have no carnal interest at all in Carl Wheeler. <laughs> and we are not planning to be married. And, and, and yet we are married. We are bound together in the covenant of grace. And I'm actually wed to the Jesus in Carl. And he is wed to the Jesus in me. And this is where the story of the tenants in the vineyard gets really fascinating. Because when the son comes to the vineyard... That is when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, what is he doing? He's romancing his bride. Jerusalem is his harlot bride. And the priests and the Pharisees are part of that bride, part of Jerusalem. They were jealous of Jerusalem, and yet they are Jerusalem. Uh, they wanted the son's inheritance, and yet they are the son's inheritance. They are his bride. And there are two ways that they can know their groom. They can take the good, kill the good, try to apply the good to their own lives. That's what we usually do. Or they can receive the good. Surrender to the good, allow the good to apply them to his life. They can seize control of the good to know the good, or they can surrender to the good and be known by the good, filled with the good, impregnated by and with the good. They can compete with the good and kill the good, or they can thank God for the good confessing that they're not good and losing themselves in a river of endless good, animated by the good. So when you're standing in the foyer at the back of the church and someone says, I'm doing good. Well, you can be intimidated by the good. You can feel threatened by the good. You can try to take the good and make the good your own or you can remember God alone is good. And thank God for the good. For whatever good 
in that person is the spirit of Jesus in that person. And you can freely confess that you're a harlot because Jesus loves harlots and he turns them into brides. You know, it's so easy to get sucked into the spirit of competition. And when I do it, I can just, you don't know when it's happening, but you begin to feel it. And that's what alerts you. I, I begin to feel myself getting trapped in anxiety and shame and fear and death. And so when that happens, when I do get sucked in, when I'm terrified that I won't win, I've learned to whisper something deep in my heart. I just whisper, I lose. And then I win. Jesus, freedom, life, joy, the good, Jesus, the good. And then I'm good. And that's the will of God. Jesus takes tax collectors and harlots and turns them into disciples and his bride. He is good. But the chief priests and the Pharisees can't receive the good because they try to take the good. They're jealous of the good. They know all about, they know all about the will of God, but they won't be known by the will of God. They won't surrender to the will of God. Uh, so they won't do or be done by the will of God. They don't respect the will of God in flesh. That's Jesus. But the Lord of the vineyard did say, verse 37, they will respect my son. They will. And Jesus did say, the tax collectors and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. But that means they still go in. Perhaps it's after their city, their control is destroyed, like Jerusalem is destroyed in 70 AD. Perhaps it's after they weep and gnash their teeth in outer darkness for an age. But after they're humble, after they're made last and least, after they're lost, well, they will see the sun. And they will respect the son. The Lord of the vineyard must have known what they do to his son. After all that they did to his servants. And yet he still sent him saying they will respect my son. All eyes will look on the one whom they have pierced, prophesied Zechariah. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to the glory of God. The glory. Well, anyway, in episode six of Man Seeking Woman, Joss is jealous of Jesus. And so he hates Jesus. And yet he's never really even met Jesus. He doesn't see Jesus or know Jesus. And so, well, he betrays Jesus even before he meets Jesus. He brings Mongolian curry to the party, hoping to humiliate Rosa's boyfriend, who happens to be Jesus. And that's when he really meets Jesus. Uh, Jesus, would you uh, would you like some? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm very, very full. Very Jesus, full. Come on. Well, like I said, it's exotic. I know it's a big ask. So um, let me. I'll, I'll try. Quick question, and this is so annoying. Um, is it gluten free? Yeah, I think so. You think so? You know so. I know so. <laughs> Josh, you know so. I know so. Okay. You got clearance. All right. It's all I needed to know. Even when I'm full, I don't mind having a little bit of something that's um, of the right flavor. So yeah. why not? There's plenty more where it came from. <laughs> Josh, best thing I've ever had. Hey, come on. No, man. no, no, Josh. I'm not kidding. Best thing I've ever had. Best thing I've ever tasted. Thanks. Yeah. And the texture. Hey, good. Mm. The texture is. Babe, look at me. <gasps> What's happening? Oh my God, where is it, babe? Point to it. Where is it right now? Oh my God, I'll get the antacids. Oh. I. What, Move the what, bowl. What's happening? What? 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 Ow. What? The pain. Pain. <laughs> what? What? What is? What's oh. happening? <laughs> what? <gasps> Josh, you betrayed me. 
Don't even know what I was thinking. It was not the curry at all. Don't don't worry about that. Josh, I'm so sorry. Oh. I didn't mean to come down on you like that. I just I was really worried about no, it. No, of course I get it. Totally, totally fine. I would do the same thing. Okay. okay yeah. I'm so. Um, do me a favor. Um, I think we can use some candles, maybe. Yeah. Um, some air fresheners. Okay. In the closet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a good good game night, huh? Yeah, I would say. Um, you know. Um, Josh, uh, I know that it was the curry. Oh, shit. I forgive you. Thanks. Now, um, you won't find Mohammed in many sitcoms like that. Do you know why? It's because Mohammed seeks glory uh, from human conquest and power. But Jesus is glorified in his humiliation. And every day, in every party, in just about every conversation, I think he is humiliated. For we constantly take the good, use the good, abuse the good, and he allows it so that one day we could all see that he is the good. And so we would respect him, the good, and make him the king of our own lonely little kingdom and become part of his kingdom, the kingdom of the good. We all betrayed Jesus. We took his life and he gave his life. He forgave. And now that's as far as they get in the sitcom. And that's too bad because the kid's name is, is Josh. And Joshua means Jesus. You know, Joshua is just the, the Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew form of the name Jesus. Josh is jealous of Jesus, but Josh is Jesus. And Josh gets Rosa. Josh is Jesus, and you are actually the bride and the body of Christ, the body of Jesus. So the way in you, the life in you, the truth in you, the light in you, the love in you is Jesus in you. The spirit of Jesus in you. He became a life-giving spirit, writes Paul. The life flows through you as an endless river. The good is God, and he is not a limited commodity. His mercy never comes to an end. And so you should be zealous for Jesus. But don't be jealous of Jesus. You are Jesus. And by that, I mean you are the body of Jesus. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You are the body of Christ, and he is the perfect image of the invisible God, and God is good. And so on the night that we all betrayed him, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. It's the good. Here's the tree. It's the way, the truth, the life, the light, the love, the good. And so whenever and wherever you see the good, don't be intimidated by the good. Don't be envious 
of the good. Don't be jealous of the good. Thank God for the good. Say thank you. Thank. This, is, this is what I consciously do when I feel this competition thing coming on. I, I say, thank you, God, for Carl. Thank you for me. Thank you for all things. You are good. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Amen. And so do that right now. Think of someone that you really envy. Now, you may really dislike them. You also may really like them, probably both. Think of that person. And now just silently in your heart say, you got the name? I mean, I'm asking you, do you have the name? Okay, just answer me in your head because this is what you're going to do. You just say, in your heart, say, in Jesus' name, thank you, God, for and then say that person's name. Lord God, we thank you for the good in them because the good is you. Any good is you. God, I, I think we can even thank you for the bad in them because God, I'm beginning to see that the bad is like an empty stage waiting for the revelation of the good. The evil is a place waiting for the revelation of your mercy. The disobedience, a place waiting for the revelation of your glory. And so, Lord Jesus, on the tree, you bled your life into our empty places, giving us yourself. And now maybe you're even choosing us to bleed your life into that person. And so, Lord God, yeah, thank you for them. Thank you even for all things. Thank you for yourself. Thank you that you are the creator and thank you that you speak your word into the void who is our Lord Jesus the Christ and we're beginning to see that he's good. And so thank you even for creating faith in us in the midst of this dark world. In Jesus' name, we worship you, Lord God. Amen.